0: Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, good to see you at church again. Can we just take a second to just appreciate Jesse and that um, and, sorry, that awesome communion word that, that is just such such an important revelation that we need to have in our lives on a day-to-day basis that Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Creator of all, died for us, died for you. Died for me. And without that revelation, we, 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 we miss out on this incredible truth of who we are in the eyes of the Creator God. So, Jesse, thank you so much for that. I don't know about you, it's just me, but I think Jesse looks more like a pastor, more like a preacher than than, than I do. Like, just the shirt, the shoes, everything's going on. You know, I'm just. I come up here in a hat and just do my own thing. Jesse's dressed to the tea, looking good. Uh, Awesome, man. Thank you so much for that. Let's just pray. Father God, we just thank you for this time, for this opportunity to uh, look at your word and the truth of your word and, and what you've given us in the form of your scriptures to teach us about you, to teach us about your nature, to teach us about ourselves and our relationship with you. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would move this morning, that you would have your way in this place this morning, Lord God, that you would speak the word that you want to bring to bring us to the place of understanding that you need us to be at. And Lord, that you would also restore us this morning. Restore us to the fullness of the joy that we first had when we first encountered you. And when we first began to serve you with all that you are, Lord, that you would restore in us this morning that joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So uh, today I want to talk about something that that has been on my heart for for quite some time and it's something I've been... ...talking with God about and trying to come to terms with it in myself... ...and trying to come to an understanding of uh, for myself. And I believe that it's going to be something very important for us as, as a church... Uh, but, ...but also for us just as individuals. Because what I want to talk about is something that all of us should have in our lives... ...and I'll get into it and explain why we should have this in our lives. And, and if we don't have this thing in our lives then we're missing out on something that God has actually uh, ordained for us. And so what what I want to talk about this morning is, where did our joy go? Where did our joy go? And then how can we get it back? But that that question, where did our joy go? Uh, And this is, again, this is something that that I've had to come to to terms with myself. And, you know, the reality is that, that over the last... 12 months, and in truth probably much longer than that, all churches in the Western world have been facing the same struggles, the same difficulties in restoring what was once a huge part of the church and one of the most important parts of our lives in God, and that is having joy in what we do, having joy in gathering together, having joy in serving God with our lives, you know, finding the joy that we once had in giving ourselves and serving God because of the stuff that's going on in the world and maybe stuff that's going on internally within ourselves, it's like we've lost the joy in doing what we were called to do. Doesn't mean, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we've stopped doing it, because we realize, oh, I've just got to keep doing it, because if I don't do it, no one else will. But there's this element of, and, and, and I see it, and I hear it talking to other pastors of, of other churches, this same thing, the people are still maybe doing what they were doing, but the joy in doing it is gone. It's not this joyful experience anymore. It's just this, well, I've got to do it because if I don't do it, no one else will. And I know that we've got to make this happen, so I'm just going to jump in and do it. But the joy that we're supposed to experience in serving God just isn't there. And the reason why this is so important, because if we do not have joy in our service to Him, if we don't have joy in our service to His kingdom, we quickly fall into complacency in all that we do. And just enough becomes good enough. Just enough becomes good enough because I can't be bothered giving any more than that. Because I don't have the joy in doing so anymore. And so we slip into complacency. We no longer care about how well we do something. It just, it it can become like a job that we hate. And I'm pretty sure most of us at some point in our lives have, have had a job that we can honestly say hated that job. But you still got up every morning. You still went. You still did it. Why? Because you enjoyed it? No, you hated it. You did it because you knew that you had to do it. And you went there and you did just enough to get by for the day. Just enough so that, you know, if the bosses were looking that you weren't going to get told off for not doing anything. But there was no joy in it. And when we lose joy in our service to God, when we lose joy for the calling that we have, the calling that God has placed upon our lives, we're not, we're not giving justice to how great He is and to how incredible this relationship that we have with Him is when we're just going through the motions, and I so said, This is something that, I, that, that I've had to deal with and I've had to uh, overcome a couple of years ago. Uh, you know, most of you guys probably know, but I, I, was, I was quite uh, quite un, un, unwell for a while. I had like chronic fatigue and uh, stuff going on with, with my liver. I was, just, I was just dead tired every day. I had no energy to do anything, no desire to do anything. And if I did do too much, then I'd just be on the couch for the next few days, just unable. To to do anything, and 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 during that time, you know, Zoe and I were were over in Cobram, and we sort of, obviously, it was during COVID, so we were in church and then out of church. And when church was on, I was getting to church and doing the things I needed to do. When we were COVID shut down, I was getting here doing the 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 midweek streams and and all that kind of stuff, Uh, and it became because of maybe how I was feeling. It just became this thing where I lost the joy in it. I was just doing it because I knew that I had to do it and I had to do something and we had to get the word of God out there, but I lost the joy in doing it. And then if, if I'm honest, even coming back out of that, when I was starting to, to feel better, I was joyful that I was feeling better, but there was, it took me a while to be able to get back to the, the place where I could honestly say I was finding joy in doing the things that I was doing. It had become just this complacency thing, and that's why I, I've been dealing with this in my own life, and it's why I just think it's, it, it's so important that, that we, the church, find joy in serving God's kingdom again. Right? because that, that's the way that, that he's designed this. It, this should be joyful. It doesn't mean that, it, that it's going to be fun all the time. and it, it doesn't mean that there's not going to be hard work at times and, and late nights and things that, that we don't want to do because that's just, that's just how it works. But we can still find joy in it, and, and that's God's intention for us in our, our service to him. Right? The joy of the Lord that we once had is the thing that sustains us. The joy of the Lord is my strength. There's Psalms there's, there's psalms about that, but the joy of the Lord is what sustains us through this life that, that we live. So just, just read with me, and most of you have heard this before, read with me in Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23 uh, about the fruits of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such, there is no law. Now, what we're talking about could apply to every single one of these fruits, but today we're focusing on joy. But if you don't have peace, you can apply that to peace. If you're struggling with patience, you can apply it to patience. But the reason that I wanted to start with this is because it's important that we begin by understanding as believers, as followers of Jesus who have the Holy Spirit living and dwelling in our hearts, which we've been talking about, I think, every week in some way for the last few months, so we should have that grasp now that, that we have the Holy Spirit living and dwelling in us, that all of these fruits of the Spirit, again, we're focusing on joy, but it applies to all of them, that all of these nine fruits do not just, by default, become a part of our natural life. These things are in our spiritual life, okay? We need to learn to separate the two, that, that we have the natural life, the natural world that we live in and our spiritual life, right? That, that is affected by the spiritual world. And, and, and Anyway, so we, we need to understand that, that these things do not, by default, become a part of our natural life. These things are in our spiritual life, which means, okay, and this is important, that they are not at all affected by things in the natural, Okay, the, the, the spiritual fruits that, that we have are by nature spiritual, so they are not affected by what happens in the natural, because they're part of the, our, our spiritual being, right? So they, they cannot be swayed by what's, they cannot be taken away from us by what's going on in the natural, okay? Okay. Um, and as the Holy Spirit is dwelling in us always, these fruits are not just things that, that, that they're not just things that, that happen, but they are a part of us. Okay, and the thing that we need to understand about the, these fruits, the fruits of the Spirit, right? These are fruits uh, in our lives. But when we're talking about the Holy Spirit living and dwelling in us, all of these fruits are actually the diff- uh, different aspects of the divine nature of God. All of these fruits are what God is. God is love, God is joy, God is peace, and so forth. They are who He is. And so we have the Holy Spirit living and dwelling in us, so we have these divine attributes, the divine nature of God living and dwelling in us. Okay, so our our, our joy, our our peace, all this stuff, it's not something that is developed in the natural. It's the divine nature of God living and dwelling in us. Okay, so he lives and dwells in us. And as long as he dwells in us, um, which we know, scripture says that he will not leave us, he will not forsake us. So we have him living and dwelling in us. So these aspects of the divine nature of God are in us, right? These spiritual aspects of the divine nature of God are in us always because of who we are in Him and because of the fact that the Holy Spirit lives and dwells in us, which is why Christians, right, believers, are able to overcome circumstances and situations that people who don't know God are unable to. That's why you can find uh, Christians, you know, all, all over the world who might be going through the most traumatic Um, Things you could possibly think of in the natural and and in in the physical world, you would say that their life is just falling apart and everything's going wrong, but yet there's still something in them that, 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 that just helps them to to be full of joy and to be full of peace. It's not because of who they are in the natural. It's because of the God that is in them and the divine nature and the aspects of the Holy Spirit that live and dwell in them that allows them to hold on to this joy and hold on to this peace and hold on to who He is. So despite what's going on around us in the natural, our spiritual self is filled with joy. Our spiritual self is filled with peace. Our spiritual self has all of these aspects of God that cannot be taken, that cannot be affected by what's going on in the natural world. We can lose sight of them and we can uh, forget that. This is the case, but what's going on in the natural cannot ever take away this joy that Scripture says is in us as a result of the Holy Spirit, because we are filled with the nature of God, and by nature, God is joyful. So how is it, and why is it that some of us right now feel no joy, and find no joy, excuse me, in our service to God? Why? First Peter, I'll tell you, Keith, just for you. First Peter chapter five. And again, these scriptures aren't things that most of you haven't heard before. But I, I, I just anyway. First Peter five, chapter uh, chapter five verses eight to eleven says, "Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith." knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world, though may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen and settle you, to him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. And then in John 10.10, 10, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. So again, what we're talking about is not something that, that we haven't heard many times before. But I, I just can't shake the fact that this is so real in many of our lives right now. And I think that there's a very big hole in our understanding of the spiritual realm and the spiritual world. That it is just as real as the natural world that we inhabit. And, and, and our war, our fight with Satan is not done in this physical world and that's why the, the scriptures um, talk about when we're putting on the armor of God and we have the, 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 the sword of the Spirit as, as, as our weapon. When it's talking about how we are to, 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 to defend ourselves against the enemy, it's talking about the spiritual things that we have. It's not saying that we have to go and put on this physical armor every single morning because none of us here are wearing armor. I don't see Keith walking around on a Tuesday morning in his Roman garbs and prepared to defend himself, carrying his spear and his shield around and walking down the main street and trying to tell people I don't see Libby walking down the main street in this armour telling people about Jesus like threatening them with this spear like you, you don't see that because what the scripture is talking about is, is something that happens in the spiritual in the spiritual realm we as Christians need to make sure that we are putting on the armour how do we do that? we work on our relationship with God we spend time with him We we, we read the word we let him speak into our hearts we let him speak into our lives and and in doing this in the spiritual realm even though we can't see it in the natural we are wearing that spiritual armour like you don't understand how powerful you can be in the spiritual realm when you are fully connected with God we don't understand just how much Influence we can have in the spiritual realm when we're connected with God. And we don't understand it because we don't see it. But a believer who is connected with God, a believer who is filled with joy in the service that they have to God has more effect than you could ever even begin to imagine on what's going on in the spiritual realm. And so when we pray, when you are praying for somebody, praying for your friends, praying for your family, praying for your circumstance or your situation, you got to understand that, that when we're praying and asking God to move, God, bring healing, God, help this person with whatever's going on, and, and, and we look in the natural and say, well, I don't see God doing anything, but what you don't realize is that what's happening in the spiritual realm from a Christian who's covered in the armor of God, wielding the weapons that scripture talks about, there is stuff going on in the spiritual that is so far beyond anything that we could even begin to imagine or understand that you as a believer are having an effect on because you are covered in the armor that God has given and you're wielding the weapons that he's given to you, okay? So our our fight with Satan is not in the natural. He likes to use things in the natural. You know, things will go wrong in a family, things will go wrong at work. He can use things in the natural. And he does that so that when that happens we take our eyes off the spiritual and look at what's happening right in front of us and we forget that our war is in the spiritual and so we're doing all this stuff that we can in the natural world to try and fix this and what we really need to be doing is spending more time in the spiritual because that will affect the natural more than anything that we can do right and so th- th- this is this is where we this is where we need to change our our our, our understanding of just how real the spiritual realm is, right? And even when we're reading the Bible, because it's, it's easy to just sit and read it and try and look for something. Yeah, I want to get something out of it. God, God speaks to me. But when we read it, we need to read it with an understanding that it's speaking about the spiritual The the Bible is not just speaking about the the natural world and what's going on. It's giving us an oversight of what's going on throughout human history, not just in the natural, but what God has done in the spiritual. And so when we read the Bible, we need to have that understanding um, at at, at the same time, okay? So so that's, that's why, okay? And on top of the victory, on top of that, the victory that we have in Christ is in the spiritual. The victory that we have in Christ is in the spiritual. It's not a physical victory. It's a spiritual victory. And yet, when we struggle in the physical, we often interpret it as something more than it is. But the victory that we have in Christ is in the spiritual. He's talking, you know, John 10 10 that I've come to, uh, that you may have life and, and, and have it more abundantly. What's he really talking about? He's talking about the spiritual. A more abundant life and eternal life in his kingdom. That's what it's really talking about. It doesn't mean that he doesn't want to bless us in this life. We, we, we know that, but that's not what we're talking about today. It's talking about understanding that the reason that we have lost our joy is because the enemy is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for those who can devour bringing up things in the natural to distract us from what's going on in the spiritual. So we take our eyes off that and we look at what's going on around and we start to complain about what's going on in our lives. And we say, God, why, why, don't I have, why, why am I not winning in this? What, why, what, what's going on here? And understanding our victory is in the spiritual. That whatever happens to us on this earth it really doesn't matter because He's given us the spiritual victory. Because we we, we we often like to think that because we're Christians and because we should have victory, um, that everything should kind of just fall into place for us and things should uh, work out and, and, and in a sense be easier for us than it was before. Um, and that, that's a nice thought. But... That 's about it as much as it is, because you, you even take a second to think about Christians in other nations. I mean, just think about the guys in, in Uganda that that, that we help um, who who have nothing you know a month or so ago we Terry came and, and spoke about the, the the famine that was going on up in northern Uganda, and so we got some money together and, and sent that. these people are. Maybe not all of them, but there's believers there. There's Christians amongst these people who are are starving. There's believers amongst these people who who, who are dying of hunger and, and, and famine every single day. There's Christians in other nations where the church is completely underground because being seen by, by anyone in the... We, we, we've heard the stories, right? We, we, we know that there are people who are still being killed and martyred for their faith. So how would it be fair to say that, okay, so we should have victory over everything in, in our natural, but, you know, we, let's, we kind of forget about what's going on over there. But our victory as Christians is in the spiritual. We need to, we need to understand that, okay? Our victory is in the spiritual, not in the physical, Okay. Do you know what, what joy really is? Joy, Our joy is a barometer for our spiritual life. The level of joy we have in our lives and the level of joy we have in serving our God is a barometer of how spiritually healthy we are. And that might be confronting because you might be not feeling that joy right now. We're thinking, okay, but I feel like I'm doing okay spiritually. But that's the reality. The joy that we have in serving God is a barometer of how spiritually healthy we are. And, and I, I was honest with you before, I told you that I, I was struggling with that. Right? And, and there, there are times and there are days where I still struggle with that. I think if we're all honest, we would all say that, right? And so I, I, the, the amount of joy that we have is a barometer of how spiritually healthy we are. Because if we're doing the things we're supposed to be doing, if we're sitting with God, if we're reading His Word, if we're spending time with Him, if we're listening to Him, if if we're if we're intentionally focused on the Holy Spirit living and dwelling in us, who who, who carries these these divine natures and these divine aspects, this this divine joy that, that 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 is God living and dwelling in us, if we're focusing on that, then then we can find joy regardless of what's going on because of who is in us, right? John John fifteen, uh, verse. 10 and 11, Jesus says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. That my joy may remain in you, and your joy may be full. So the joy that we're talking about, which we've established, is a characteristic of the nature of God. It's not an emotion or a feeling based on our physical experiences, but the nature of God in us. Let let, let me say it this way. Joy is a byproduct of our salvation, not an emotion or a feeling based on circumstance or situation. Joy is a byproduct of our salvation not an emotion or a feeling based on circumstance or situation okay because it's in the spiritual now i'm not saying that when we've lost our joy that we need to question our salvation but what i am saying is that we need to have an ongoing awareness that our enemy is trying to rob us of our joy And kill it in the process. The enemy cannot rob the character or the nature of God from within you. Okay? The joy is a divine characteristic of the nature of God. The enemy cannot take him out of you, but he can kill our understanding. He can do all the things that he does. To cause us to forget and to take our eyes off the reality that we have this divine nature of God living in us. And when he does that, through his trickery and his deceit and all the things that he does, that's when we lose our joy. I should probably rephrase that. We, 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 don't, we don't lose the joy because it's still in us, but we lose sight of the reality that we should have this joy in our day-to-day lives because of who lives and dwells in us. Because of Jesus, as Jesse shared, who did what? Died for us. Right? We lose sight of that, and that's what the enemy does. He takes our eyes off the truth that we read in Scripture and puts it on the mess that he wants to cause going on in the physical, going on in our natural lives. So, the first thing we need to do when we realize we've lost the joy, which is in us as a result of the Holy Spirit is recognize that it hasn't happened because of any physical cir- circumstance, but as a, res- as a result of the war that is being raged over our soul in the spiritual realm. Because the enemy doesn't just want to take it from us so that he can do what he wants in, in, in the natural, in, in this physical world. He wants our soul. He wants us to end up with Him. Yep. And so that's His intention. He can do that by distracting us in the natural, but that's not His overall intention. So we need, to, we need to recognize that. It isn't happening because of physical circumstance, but as a result of the war that is being raged over our soul in the spiritual realm. And the second thing, let me throw, uh, show you through a story in Scripture. So this is in 1 Kings uh, chapter 19, from verse... 1 to 10. It says this, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a message to to Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life and went to Bathsheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself... Went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he prayed that he might die and said, It is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Then, as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. Then he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank. And lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back the second time, touched him, and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank, and he went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. And this story continues on, um, and and it's where where essentially God's not speaking through the fire, He's not speaking through the whirlwind, but He's a still small voice. But I'm going to stop there. All right. So, um, sorry. Then he went into a cave and spent the night in that place, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel, have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Now now let me just just preface this by saying that there is a bit of a difference between Elisha and us, um, and the fact that this was before Jesus, so Elisha does not have the Holy Spirit living in him in the same way that we do, but I think it's still an apt example of, of what we're talking about. So what we see here is Elisha. With the weight of the challenges, where the weight of the challenges of his service to God has finally reached a breaking point. And rather than being filled with joy at the opportunity to serve God, and in this case, have victory in what God has given him to do, if we read previously, he's just killed 400 prophets of Baal. He's just had this incredible victory where God showed up in this incredible way and did miraculous things which caused him to have victory over these 400 prophets. So he's just had this incredible moment of victory and yet this threat from Queen Jezebel, I'm going to hunt you down, I'm going to kill you, I'll tell you I'm going to do it. Before this time tomorrow, you're going to be like those prophets that, that you killed. So we see him at the breaking point. Rather than being filled with joy, the opportunity to serve God, We see him running away in fear because his joy for service had been stolen by the enemy in the face of what he was dealing with in the physical. The circumstances that had just arisen and the threat that had just been placed upon his life in the natural realm was enough to scare this man of God and cause him to run away into the wilderness. And what I love about this though is how we see God restore Elijah's joy. There is no condemnation or judgment for the fact that he ran away from where he was meant to be. There is a gentleness and love that we can only experience from God. Who doesn't doesn't condemn him, doesn't say, What are you doing out here, you idiot? He lets him sleep, feeds him, lets him sleep again. And then we as we read on, we you know, Takes him into this cave and he speaks to him through a still small voice. But God, in that place where Elijah, uh, Elijah ran away to, provided exactly what he needed so that his joy in serving his God could be restored to him. You notice as well in the scripture at the end, uh, I'll read it again. Uh, uh, he, he says this uh, Elijah says this um, I, I have been zealous for you, Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken their covenant, torn down your altars, killed your prophets. I alone am left. I alone am left. And they seek to take my life. I alone am left. Let me ask you. How often have you felt that very thing? That I alone am left. Because this is how Elijah felt. Again, at the end of this chapter, God goes on to, to, to tell him, after he says this the second time, he goes on to say, well, well actually, uh, you're not. I, have, I can't remember the number, but I have this many people who are actually faithful to me. So you're not alone, Elijah. Though he felt like he was. Why? Because his joy had been stolen. His ability to see clearly The work of God and the lives of others were stolen. See, joy, and when we don't have it, it really does a work on us, okay? Because it causes us to think things and believe things that just aren't true. I, 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 I be honest in saying there have been times and and I I realise completely 100% that what I'm about to say is not true in any shape or form but when I've been joyless, when I've lost my, my passion for it, I have had the thoughts and I've complained to God and said, God, I'm sick of being the only one. Maybe I'm the only one. Right? But how stupid is that? Because really, I'm the one who not, who's lost it because I'm in this place where I'm isolated and I'm alone and I feel like I'm the only one because I've lost sight of the joy that should be in me because of the Holy Spirit who dwells in me. So losing our joy causes us to see things from this weird perspective that is just so not true. And God in the wilderness restores Elisha with comfort comfort. And with peace. That was supposed to happen. <laughs> Not really. But God, in that place, gives Elijah exactly what he needs so that his joy can be restored. So, Boyd and Pinker, if you guys want to get ready, um, that would be cool. So, I, I believe that today, I've been praying about this this week. I believe that today in this room there are many of us who are in this place. Where we've lost our joy that comes as a result of the Spirit in us. And Satan has managed to do what he does and steal our joy. Right? And God wants to restore it today. So that the internal joy that comes from our salvation in Christ returns to us. And again, together, collectively, as a church, we can experience the genuine joy in the things that God has called us to do. Because when we, when we do what we're called to do, filled with the genuine joy of God, is when we see things happen like we've never seen before. Right, And God wants to restore that joy, restore the joy of our service, so that he can accomplish all that he has planned to do. So, we're going to worship now. We're going to worship in response to what we've heard today. We're going to do things a little bit differently. And uh, uh, I'm going to stay around here up the front. And Keith's here, so he can, he can stand with me. And um, Terry can come up as well. And Dan and Libby, whoever of the elders wants to. So we're just going to hang around the front while these guys worship. And if you want prayer, if you need prayer, come and, come and stand up the front, because we would love to pray with you, because my heart is that we, God's church in this place, be restored in the joy of our service to Him so that we can step into more of what He has for the future. Just quickly, Zoran was talking about uh, dreams and visions and prophecy on Wednesday night and just talking to people in the few days after that. Like, this is something that, that, that's going on and that is stirring in people. We, we want to see that released. And to see that released, we need this joy returned to us. So if you need prayer, if you want prayer, come and stand at the front at any point during the worship and we will pray with you. Thanks, Pico.